This is your daily real estate syndication show, and I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today is a highlight show that's packed with value from different guests around a specific topic. Don't forget to like and subscribe, but also go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up to start investing in real estate today. I hope you enjoy the show. Are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space? Have you heard of MLFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 23rd through the 25th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from over 60 plus high level apartment investors and also to network with over 700 investors. If that's not enough for you, Shaq, yes, Shaquille O'Neal, Barbara Cochran, and Jocko Willink will be live and in-person speaking at this event. Be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event as the tickets are going fast. You can even upgrade your ticket to the VIP to have the opportunity to rub shoulders with these high-level speakers, including myself, after their session. Jocko Willink will also be attending the VIP party on Friday night at the event. So go to mfincon.com to find out more details. There's also sponsorship opportunities available too. For details for this event and to purchase tickets, visit mfincon.com. Use promo code LIFEBRIDGE to get $200 off your tickets. That's mfincon.com. Our guest is Omar Ruiz. Thanks for being on the show, Omar. Thank you very much, Whitney. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, happy to have you on the show, Omar. Omar is the founder of LaRue Investments LLC with expertise in analyzing property financials and due diligence. Been a real estate investor since 2009, but started in property management in 2006. He and his partner realized how important property management was to successfully operating multifamily properties. So they decided to start a property management company with a goal of owning larger apartment complexes. Since then, they've owned multifamily properties in three states and also flip properties in California and Houston, Texas. So, Omar, thank you again for your time and and being willing to come on and share your expertise with myself and the listeners. Um, I'd love for us to walk through, you know, a little bit of, you know, maybe you give us an example of a recent deal you all have completed and then let's walk through the due diligence process that you took, you know, from the time you even found the deal, you know, to up to closing and then maybe even after, but maybe give us an example of a recent deal and let's walk through that. To me, there's two sides of a due diligence subject there. You got the financial side and then you have the actual building physical property side of it. And both are very important on the financial side. You know, when you're first looking at a deal, you have financial statements and rent rules and other documented information that you know you're analyzing and putting your assumptions together to see if this is a deal you know what you're going to offer a deal and see if this is a good deal that you're going to go forward with and you're not actually able to do the due diligence on a lot of that stuff until after you get under contract and that's really kind of where the rubber hits the road there and same thing on the building the physical building due diligence is I mean you can go visit a property, do a quick tour of it and look at the inside and kind of get an idea of what it's going to take for you to do whatever improvements that you want to do or, or plans that you have in the future. But until you actually, once you get into the property and then you bring in other vendors. So like for an example, it was actually a deal that I actually just recently had to walk away from. This deal had very sloppy uh, financials. 
on it. The property itself I was okay with. And I did bring inspectors to check the roofs. Uh, I had a plumber guy that came in and he scoped the lines on the plumbing there. Um, And that's when, you know, when you put a video and one of the important things that came out of that is that he actually found roots in one of the main drain lines. So once we discovered that, okay, then we had to go back and kind of figure out, okay, how are we going to overcome this? You know, is this something you guys could take care of? And so there was a little bit of back and forth in, in that. But everything else seemed to check out okay. And, oh, and then the other thing that came up is that they had the original windows there. And this was out in uh, Cincinnati. So they get some pretty hefty uh, winners out there. Their windows and their sliding glass doors were, were the old aluminum style. And, and uh, so those were all going to have to get redone. So that played a factor in there. But the most important thing on that deal that forced me to walk away, the original financials that was provided to me by the uh, broker were not sound financials. They, they weren't accurate. And as we got into the deal, I had to really kind of press the broker and the ownership, um, especially on the utilities. They had a really, really hard time getting the utility bills. Eventually they did with a lot of poking and prodding and they didn't even know this, but they actually had a couple of uh, leaks in their uh, water bill that was causing the water bill to be excessively. So they had some utility issues there. But the main thing was, is that on their income side of the plate and on their expense side, you know, the income was not where they originally said it was, it was lower. And then the expenses were higher than what they originally did. So that's going to affect your return on investment there. And actually, Whitney, what uh, I was already in the process of talking to lenders on this deal. Okay, I had actually approached like four different lenders on this deal. And all of them were just having a tough time with the financials, you know. So, you know, it wasn't So the deal that, was under contract now or it wasn't? It was under contract. Yes, I had. We had earnest money in escrow. And, you know, this is... It's also uh, why... Uh, you know, some people may ask, you know, okay, well, you know, as a syndicator, why are you asking for fees or this and that? Well, uh, you know, I went to considerable expense, you know, hiring the inspector, the guy to uh, scope the plumbing lines. Um, I had a pest control guy out there. And then I had a guy check out the heating systems in there. In cool. I mean, that all came out of my pocket. Okay. At this time, we hadn't even raised any money at this point. So, and plus I had to fly out. I'm in California. This is out in Cincinnati. So I'm spending, I know I spent at least a week, maybe even two weeks out there, you know? So obviously I got to stay somewhere. Those are all dollars that are coming out of my pocket, you know? So I'm putting my, you know, my money up front there. But yeah, I was on the contract. We had earnest money in there. You know, I was already done with the due diligence and now I was, you know, moving forward to the financing side of it. And that's when I talked to all these lenders and they just couldn't get comfortable with the financials that were being provided on this deal. I wasn't very comfortable myself at that point, but, you know, I wanted it to come from the lender so that then I could tell the seller, look, here's a situation, you know, I can't even get financing on this deal. Okay. And 
It's because the financials that you're giving us are just not working. I'd like to back up a little bit and ask you about, you know, how you started to, to discover this. I know you said the seller, or it was difficult to get some of the uh, utility bills and things like that. And sometimes that's a red flag that either there's poor documentation processes that they have, they're not tracking those things, or else they're going to have that readily available, you know, or else they don't really want to show it to you, right? You know, in this case, you know, how did you eventually get that information? Okay. Well, you're, you're absolutely right about uh, all those things you just said. Once we got on the contract and I flew out there, I was able to really connect very well with the broker and the broker, you know, he enjoyed being there on site. He accommodated me, you know, in every way. I mean, the guy was a total professional, you know, and he liked, you know, I was bringing all these guys in there, the plumber guys, the uh, HVAC guys, the pest control guys, the inspection. I and it was like clockwork, you know, one, Sometimes I had two guys on site. So he knew we weren't messing around. And, you know, he wants to get his commission too, right? He wants to do it close. I mean, you're under contract at this point and you've already put money. Uh, money's going hard, right? Yes. Well, we're still in the due diligence period. Right. It was crazy. We actually extended the due diligence period, I know, at least twice and maybe even three times. I mean, it went for so long that we had several extensions. And the seller was totally willing to extend it because they knew they were not performing on their end. Right. And the story that I got eventually, Whitney, is that just prior to us going under contract, maybe about, geez, maybe not even six months, maybe about a six-month period prior, I guess they had this bookkeeper there that they fired because they weren't doing a good job. And uh, so they went through some staffing changes. And in those changes, a lot of their financials and things just got really, just got really uh, disorganized. And the sellers are not, I wouldn't call they're not, they weren't beginners by any stretch of the imagination, but they were definitely not what I would call super organized and, you know, on top of their game, mining the store, so to say. And so that's what was affecting them. And so when they needed to gather up all this information, oh my God, it was like they were trying to look backwards to put it all together. And I think this bookkeeper that they fired, I guess, did them a lot of disservice there. And it seems like they got really um, loose with the delegation. I I don't think they were really minding the store so much. So what was the biggest reason you had to walk away? I know you mentioned the income was not where they stated or the expenses were also not where they stated. But, you know, was that the biggest thing or what else? I know you mentioned the windows and then even the leaks and things like that. But, you know, was it just a combination or, or, you know, was there something that said, okay, you know, like anytime this happens, we're walking away or this is going to cost too much to fix. What was it for you all? The main thing was the expenses. It's just the expenses were not going to make the deal work. I could, you know, see and project kind of forward kind of where I could take the rents. So that was fine. No issue there. But the expenses, once I got the real information on that stuff, it just was not going to make the returns, you know, to what we needed them to be. And so that was the main thing. As far as the physical due diligence, I was okay with everything else. I knew we were going to have to raise some extra money for certain things, but there were some programs that I was looking at. And then that was the other thing that I discovered while I was over there. This was actually thanks to the brokers that there was a special program there where I would actually be able to do a special type of financing to do the improvements for the windows. 
and I would be able to uh, amortize it out over many, many years. So that was great. So I was looking for a specific lender that can work within that program. And there were a couple of them out there. But the thing was that they just couldn't uh, get comfortable with the financials that they were. And they were just not up to snuff. Okay. So, you know, are there checklists or anything you use specifically that help you know that you have looked at everything through the due diligence process that you need to? Yes, actually, we do use a checklist. Uh, We have a checklist that we use ourselves. And basically, it's a pretty involved checklist. It's several pages long, but, you know, it's got all the broker's information, you know, all the different building mechanicals that we have to look through utility companies and all that stuff. And yeah, so the checklists, I mean, we use checklists for many things, even for make readies, qualifying applicants. I mentioned to you before the show, you know, my background is in aerospace and we use a lot of checklists in aerospace. I bet. <laughs> so, you know, I know you all have properties in Cincinnati and in Texas and uh, and you're flipping out properties, I think, in California as well. And you all are self-managing all these properties. Is that right? No, when we go, except for Houston, because uh, Houston, our partner is out there. But when we go out of state, like I'm right here in uh, Indiana right now, we go with third party property management companies. We like to work more with the uh, properties that have a CPM designation or the uh, CCIM designation and it's a uh, certain designation that you get after you've completed a certain amount of educational coursework and uh, you've had some on the job experience. And basically those are folks that are more career focused towards the management um, business. Right. Okay. And so through the due diligence process, you know, how much were you on site? You know, you're, you're living in California, this property, you know, is, you know, more than halfway across the country. So, you know, how often were you there? How much time did that take? You know, for people that are looking in other markets out of where they live, you know, how much time were you having to spend there personally? Or, you know, how much time did you just have somebody else that's on the ground there uh, doing these things? Yeah, I know on that last deal there that I was just talking about, I know I was there for at least a week, uh, maybe even two weeks. And Sometimes what I like to do, and you know, one of the nice things about uh, you know the business here is that you do get familiar with a lot of different areas of the country. You know, you either go to do a property tour or when you're doing due diligence, um, you get the opportunity to actually scout around different markets. And I love doing that. I love scouting different areas. I love you know just you know seeing how the people live, how you know the communities are. And uh, I really enjoy that part of it. But uh, I'm there every day uh, to answer your question. Okay. Uh, And then anything else in the due diligence process that you see that a lot of operators miss that you want to bring up to make sure that we know to look at these things? Yeah. In fact, uh, early on, one of the biggest mistakes that I did, and this was back on a California deal, this was a property that we didn't verified rent deposits. Okay. And so they were giving us a rent roll and these income statements saying, okay, yeah, these tenants are paying and everything looked okay. All right, fine. Well, you know, after we close, we find out that like half of the people were not even paying, but luckily it was a small deal. It was only like 13 units. So once we knew what was going on, we just started just evicting people immediately but that's something that I would really caution people. And I've actually talked to people that have had that same experience. I'm not verifying rental deposits. Now, 
sometimes that can be a challenge. And uh, on one of our best deals, actually, out in Houston, Texas, the seller, the way he ran his bank accounts, and I would not recommend that anybody do this, but, you know, he had a construction company, but he also owned several multifamily properties. But what he did is that he lumped all the income from all his apartments into one single bank account. Yeah. So he had no way of like separating. Okay. We weren't buying his whole portfolio. We were just buying, you know, this one property in this larger portfolio. And he had no way of like separating that out of his bank statements, of course, you know? So we had to rely on some of the uh, deposit records that his onsite manager had. And, you know, that we weren't super comfortable with that, but, you know, at the end of the day, you have to be, you know, I, I remember uh, an old mentor saying, you know, sometimes you have to make perfect decisions with imperfect information. That's right. And I'm glad that you learned about the occupancy, you know, issue on a 13 unit, not a 130 unit or a 200 unit, you yes. know. Uh, and that's the difference in the economic occupancy and physical occupancy, right? You know, that's why we have to know the income and how much should it be making? How much is actually there? But like you said, when you get into financial statements and, you know, the previous sellers mixed it all in with something else, it's difficult, right? I mean, and so like you said, you make the best decision with the information that you have. Awesome. So, you know, going forward, how do you prevent that from happening? Well, you, you, you want to ask for bank statements mm-hmm. is the way to do it. You know, and if your bank statements, they match up, they may not match up perfectly with the PL, you know, but as long as they're in line, you know, you don't see major, you know, if you see a big, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollar difference or something like that, then you know, something's up. Right. Okay. But bank statements are really the only way you can 100% verify you know, that the income that is coming in is in fact that income. Now, just so your listeners know, I have had it before where a seller was not, you know, comfortable with, you know, Hey, I don't want people seeing my stuff and all this and that. And I said, okay, no problem. If you want, here's what we can do. And I went into his office. I said, look, I'm just going to take pictures of your bank statement. And what I'll do, I'll take a little sticky memo and I'll put it right over the bank account number. So nobody sees the bank account number and, you know, you you don't have to worry about, you know, any, you know, nefarious activities, right? Our guest is Dylan Marma. Thanks for being on the show, Dylan. Thanks for having me on the show, Whitney. Anything else that you all are like, okay, we have to look at this. Mm -hmm. So we have a due diligence checklist, right? And that is extremely important for us because there's a lot of small things moving all at once, especially if you're in capital, you're working with investors, you're answering questions, juggling relationships with the lender, you're juggling stuff with the attorneys, you're, you have a million things you're, you're juggling, right? And, and it's hard to stay focused. So to stay focused and make sure you can beat, you need to have some kind of a, a checklist in place. So we're paying attention to everything from making sure we have our, our survey done, our title work done through phase one, checking if you need a, a termite inspection, checking with uh, code enforcement. We're going to scope plumbing lines. So making sure we have we always want to run a camera down the plumbing lines because that can be one of the most costly things that you can overlook, especially if it's an older vintage building. Pay attention to that. You want to look for your COs or your certificate of occupancy, checking with zoning if needed. You want to check the flood maps. Usually you want to do that prior to due diligence, but always you know, double check yourself there. You're going to have your insurance. You're going to want to see capital improvements. So not only do you want to see their operating statement, but what kind of money have they put into capital improvements that are going to materially impact the property? You also want to catch that, right? Because if if they had just been 
putting everything below the line as capital improvements. You want to know that uh, you know, truly in a big way how the property is being ran, and that's becoming more and more common in today's day and age. Um, you want to check for any pending litigation. You want to look at the all the operating statements. You want to check the bank statements and make sure that those match up with every place. Go through all the bills, all the vendors. You want to see every single around and see where you can where you can save money. Oftentimes, they haven't negotiated these contracts, so this this is always where you know you find your value at. Is you know have they really negotiated on the trash? Is there ways to cut that down? Is there ways to cut out you know cable contracts? Is there a contract in place and that you're going to have to go in because that could you know make a big difference in terms of uh, expenses, right? So you want to pay attention to that insurance loss runs. Any additional maintenance record? Those are the big ones, I'd say. No, those, that's a great list right there. No doubt about it. Going back to just something you, you, we talked about earlier, doing this due diligence process in a week and going into a deal, yeah, knowing that from the beginning, I think it's a testament to you know your team and your all's ability, how structured you all are. You know, everybody knows their lane, what has to be accomplished, uh, or else you're not even going to try doing it within a week. Right. It's definitely given you all that competitive edge. And I think it's interesting, though, on like this deal being as new as it was, it would have been common on something that new to have went hard day one, I think, with a lot of teams. But I think it was wise, you know, obviously here that you all didn't do that. But is there anything behind that decision to not go hard day one? I mean, you still won won the deal, you know, as far as getting it under contract, but anything behind that decision that that would help us to learn how to be that cautious as well, even on a property that's this new? So I think that we could have made the decision to go hard day one on this deal if we were to be a little bit more diligent on the front end. And we knew that, right? We knew we'd had to buy time to get on there and go through and visit. But if we had, at this point, it really is just a matter of you're talking seven days versus zero, right? It's not, not a huge difference. But if you're going to go hard day one, which is very common on new properties because of the whole, you know, oftentimes in multifamily, there's a huge as is clause on the contract, right? Which is you're going to assume every single problem that could possibly be in existence with this property. And you're never going to ask us for a dollar again, as soon as we close, that's normal, right? That's how it is. And obviously on older properties that are 30, 40 years old, that requires due diligence because there can be a lot more newer properties. The typical thought process is what could be wrong. It's brand new. Why don't you just put some money down hard? And there is probably a little bit less that could be wrong. I would say if you're going to even consider it, which you might have to if you want to really compete and you're going to be doing newer stuff, but make sure that you give yourself time to get physically out there on the property. If you can get in the units ahead of time and actually do a, it's a kind of a fake due diligence, but it, it would be a, an early due diligence before the contract's actually signed. If they would let you do that, that would be one op. That'd be the best case scenario because then you're, you're still getting what you want and you're just doing it in a way where you're doing it before the PSA is technically signed. And if that's not the case, I would at very least make sure you bring someone that's smarter than you or I might be when it comes to the bones of the building out there with you during your initial tour, if you will, and go through as many vacants as you can possibly get into, maybe check one or two that someone's living in so that you make sure the vacants aren't all you know pretty and, the, and there's something hiding in the ones that people are living in. I'd get into at least a good sample size and make sure that they're at everything that would be important that would be a major threat to you. That's actually what we're in the process of right now is after taking this and reflecting and learning, we're going back and we're thinking to ourselves, what are the negotiables, right? Like I said, there's 
things you can live with and there's some things you can't, right? So let's identify what are the things that we can't live with and make a clear list of those. So even before we even go into due diligence or go under contract, we have that clearly spelled out. We've already checked all the boxes to make sure that we can move forward after day one. Yes. You know, one big thing that, you know, it just seems like that's been crucial here is that you have expert team members you know, in specific fields. And I want to be very smart in all those fields. However, I want to understand that I'm never going to be the smartest person. I don't want to be the smartest person on my team about plumbing, <laughs> you know? Right, right. So, no, that's awesome. That, you know, just the team that you all built. But it takes time to get there too, because for me, I'm such a big learner. That's where I get my energy. I love stuff and I, like, I want to learn everything about everything. But there's just so many things to learn in this space that you have to come to reality at some point and say, okay, well, this isn't my forte, right? Let me specialize on the acquisition side or let me on the asset management or operation. Let the experts be the experts in this area because it would take so much time. It wouldn't be the highest and best use of my time to go and study this stuff to the core. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day. 